Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU sports lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab. Yeah. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBCU Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Gentlemen, two days, two days, it's officially here. Uh-huh. Welcome to episode 170 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small. From NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture and HBCU Athletic Aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU Athletic Programs and the business of HBCU Sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. We are filming from our home studio and sending a signal live to KCOH 1230 AM studio with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Gentlemen, Charles, how you doing today? Doing pretty well, guys. Like you said, we're two days away, so I'm looking forward to uh, getting in a little uh, uh, college football, uh, HBCU football. We got a pretty good matchup this coming up weekend with uh, Alcorn and North Carolina Central, so looking forward to it. I don't think you understand. You didn't hear me. It's here. It's official. Toe is about to meet leather. Mouthpiece about to meet the horn. Lips on the mouth. Piece, I should say, the drumsticks hitting the drum. Sounds of dynamite. Mike, what you say? I say we're ground zero at. We here at ground zero. No, them Eagles versus versus that team. The versus that team uh, called Alcorn, but um, but the excitement <laughs> is. Good morning, America. Oh, man. Good morning, oh, America man. here. Game day. Oh, house. Yes. So yes. much excitement. Today. So I hope Atlanta is ready for all of this. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to see all the excitement, all the festivities, all of the ground activities, as Mr. John Grant <clears throat> so carefully uh, expounds on them, that are surrounding this event. It's exciting. It's 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 new, but it's elevating for HBCU, and I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm like, you know, where where my drink at? And I'm talking about apple. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you missed wine down Wednesday. I missed the wine down Wednesday, so I gotta. This <laughs> <laughs> they make up for. You gonna go to Thursday Thursday? There you there, go. Yeah, <laughs> Thursday Thursday. <laughs> 
There's something to go with. I ain't going to say what you did on this show. Friday. I ain't going to say what you did on Friday in college. It started with F, though. Yeah, there's something that goes with Friday, but I can't say it on this show. Uh, Dr. Gavilla, <laughs> couple <of> my thoughts. <laughs> Today's show will be a good one as we will be discussing the latest on the HBCU news and the sports of it. And just talking about what's going on in all the areas of all the sports. We're going to give you the updates. We'll break down the game for you in the second half of the show, uh, but we're going to get into it a little more um, in terms of just some of the high items out there. One thing I did want to always pay homage, you know how we do with history. Um, HBCU Game Day had a great article um, in regards to Eric Moore, the go-to guy for HBCU Classics and more. And it, it was so right on time. I've been looking for my schedule and something came up as I was getting asked by different people, you know, where are you traveling? What are you going to do? Uh, and that's everywhere from my wife, nephews, friends, colleagues, Talking about what about this? What about that? I said, you know, I got that. So I had to go back to the old faith. Anadon.com, www.onidan.com. And I pulled out my master schedule. Look at the classics. All through the year. You can mark them up, highlight whatever you want. Then your homecoming list. You know you got to know your homecoming list. Just to tease yourself. Not necessarily that you're going to make all these homecomings. You're really fortunate if you make a couple of them. You know you're going to have your personal homecoming. But it's nothing about looking down the list and saying, yeah, I might have to go there this year. I'm going to look at that. So that's always fascinating to me. It's a great article where they talk about uh, how it all started with Eric Moore, compiling his host of HBCU games and schedules week to week. Uh, classic games, homecoming games. Um, you can look at it from a team perspective schedule or overall. Just a great piece of information uh, that is tried and true to Eric Moore, what many of us refer to as the grandfather of uh, providing this HBCU information. Um, fascinating in so many different ways. Let me go to you, Mike, first. What are your thoughts um, on Onadon.com and just the re- Flexible nature of being able to go to one spot, be able to get all your HBCU scheduling information, particularly for the football season. I tell you what, uh, I've never stopped. You, you mentioned uh, on a dawn as my go-to. Um, that would that would be the ample way to describe it. My go-to. Um, they've done a terrific job of serving as one-stop shop for HBCU sports, and I go I go to on a dawn. For lots of articles, they put a unique spin on all of their articles, all of their angles. They provide brief summaries, uh, especially I'd like to, you know, put a highlight and some quotations, uh, 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 you know, around how they cover, you know, the black college nines and the, and the, and the black college baseball season. So kudos to Onadon and the way that they cover sports. They've done it for quite a while. So I want to tip my hat. And salute onadon.com. O-N-N-I-D-A-N. And I and I used to say, is it Onadon or Onadan or what? But uh they've been a, <laughs> they've been around for a while. So hats off to the folks at onadon.com. Charles, you know, Eric, he uh put the list together of HBCU coaches, athletic directors, sports information directors, better known as SIDs, assistant SIDs, 
volunteer SID broadcasters are likely anyone else who ever needed to know someone, a contact, get in touch with HBCU Athletics. He was one of the first point people out there that could get you in contact, get the information you need. Um, so it's fascinating when you talk about it. What are your thoughts, Eric Moore? It's like the official dedication to know that we're finna enter in HBCU football season when you can go in there and see that master list of games. Charles, what do you say? Like you said, it's, it's going that one-stop shop where you can get that master list of HBCU games. Uh, and like you said, it's, it's giving people their flowers while they're here. So shout out to Luke Williams for uh, writing this great piece uh, in HBCU game day. And Mike, to your point, you know, I, I've struggled you know, is it Ani Don, Ani Dan? And we finally, you know, get the history behind the name today. So I thought that was very, very fascinating. I'm glad Lou uh, brought that out in terms of it was Eric's parents, Dan and, and Ani uh, Moore. Yep. Uh, in terms of that, that's how the, the Ani Dan name came about. So, you know, it's very appreciative for all the hard work that he's done uh, throughout the years in terms of uh, statistical information, which, as we all know, can be uh, hard to find at times, especially. Uh, when you get beyond a certain time frame with regards to HBCU stats. So uh, very appreciative being able to, I'm a statistical guy, being able to always go somewhere and find, you know, how many yards is such and such rush for, how many yards is such and such bad for. So you're very appreciative for all the work that I'm done has done throughout the years. Well said, well said by both of you all, gentlemen. Let me jump and stay with you, Charles. What's on your mind? What is on your mind is- as we head into this season, any any notes of sports or HBCUs you want to focus on or any general thoughts you wanted to bring to the people at this time? Yeah, I mean, it, we're getting ready for football season. I mean, and everybody has had these glowing reports from scrimmages. Uh, but now, you know, the rubber hits the road now. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think anybody's had a bad scrimmage. So <laughs> that, that, that's the reality of it. You get all these glowing reports and things of that nature, but – uh, now it, it's, it's football time, and we get our, our first taste uh, this weekend with Alcorn and North Carolina Central, uh, and, and you get that sort of classic swag, meag sort of battle. One team, you know they can air it out, Felix Harper. Uh, the other team, Isaiah Titan, uh, they're going to hit you with the ground game. So it, it's a battle of wheels this weekend, and we get an early taste. I always say August, September is kind of like uh, the appetizer. We, we get a feel for who you are. October separates out the wheat from the chaff, and 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 November is championship time. So you know we get a we get a good look at uh, what Alcorn might be because we haven't seen them since 2019. Same thing with North Carolina Central. Right, I, I like that when you get in there and you talk about uh, the games. We're going to get a little more detail, a little in depth about that particular game. In fact, we'll do our HBCU games of the week. The first one to kick off the season date. We'll talk a little bit about Central State and Kentucky State, Alcorn State and North Carolina Central. Again, we'll do that in the second half of the show, uh, but uh, belabor the point if we didn't touch on it. Mike, anything that you have a focus on that you wanted to kind of get to the people before we dig a little deeper and get into some substance of a couple of different items throughout the rest of the show? Uh, I mean, it's just so much excitement all around HBCU sports. I think CB hit it on the nail with uh, Alcorn State and North Carolina Central and the buildup for that game. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But there is one. I don't know if you, I don't know if everyone has forgotten, 
but there is a uh, there is a battle of the bands taking place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you who don't know, the battle of the bands is taking place. However, there's been a last minute switch, and this comes care of several uh, social media sites, and I got jotting them down. HBCU Game Day also alluded to this as well. So there is a last-minute switch. National Battle of the Bands is just a couple of days away. Of course, everyone knows that. Texas Southern University announced today that it will be pulling out of the band showcase, set to take place this Sunday uh, at Houston's NRG Stadium. Uh, However, Talladega's Marching Tornadoes will be in place to perform so the marching tornadoes will step in place of the uh, step in uh step in for the ocean of soul so there was a statement uh, presented by texas southern student success and well being are top priorities at texas southern as we prepare for the active school year with many athletic and public events during a pandemic we are positioning ourselves to err on the side of caution. So it sounds like one of those early cautionary movements, uh, decisions by the organization, by the institution to say, hey, we're going to take a step back. We got the whole year in advance. We got Prairie View coming up. We got Gramlin. We got Southern. We want our folks to be completely healthy. You know, this is a big event. So, of course, I'm speculating it could be a number of events, but Needless to say, this Battle of the Bands will still be a tremendous event in NRG this Sunday. So kind of big news if you're in the Gulf Coast, Texas, Louisiana area. Hey, great point. It's going to be a lot of band heads that are mad about Texas Southern University. Go ahead, Charles. How are we going to pay now? And Mike, you talk about this all the time. There's HBCUs west of Mississippi. How are you gonna have a band showcase in Houston, Texas? Ain't no Prairie View and ain't no Texas Southern, and you got some heavyweights coming to Houston this weekend. I know. If you listen to the radio announcements, it's been like North Carolina A and T. How is it that we're in Houston, Texas, and I'm hearing more about the Aggies, the Aggies from North Carolina A and T, than I'm hearing about Prairie View or TSU? I'm upset. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to woo saw. I don't woo saw a couple of them on, on coffee and other drinks because there is no tech, there's no other Texas, you know, barnhouse band that's in. And I've been saying this, schools west of the Mississippi. Here's your opportunity. Here you are, Dr. Lee. Your chance to shine, Dr. Lee. And all of a sudden, the last one pulls out. I'm upset. You don't got me started. You shouldn't have said anything, CB. You don't got me started. So. I'm going to woo saw one more time before Dr. Gabil cut the damn mic off on me. So. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to go to this break, but you make a point. I do want to make a reference that sometimes it's not the East Coast bias that precludes uh, the showcase of, in this case, Texas program. Um, there is some ownership in regards to what the institutional uh, side of this. But Prairie View was about the fact that the band in uh, the administration were not on the same page in regards to make sure that there was going to be a band camp so the band could be prepared to perform. Yep. Um, and so that is on the university. Yep. That is on the alumni in terms of supporting the university such that the young students 
uh, in the band can take advantage of such an opportunity in terms of that. Texas Southern University, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out in terms of uh, college athletics. The SWAC, only the SIC was bold enough to jump out there. And I'm going to put it out there front and center. It said that if you're going to participate in these extracurricular activities, i.e. athletics, whether you coach or player, band that you're going to be vaccinated. Other public institutions are in states that are run by a Republican Party, which has become a demarcation in terms of the current Democratic Party, Republican Party in terms of how you see the coronavirus, in terms of COVID-19, and the need for vaccination. Um, and so we can't be on the fence in regards to what that looks like in terms of how you're going to activate it on it and then sidestepping in a lot of ways. So um, there are multiple levels to see how this plays out. And because you have that, I'm going to be interested to see in terms of athletics, as you have some programs that have been better positioning themselves in terms of the number of their college athletes, specifically football teams that are near or at 100% vaccination versus you don't have that. That's going to be the same case for bands. They travel in larger groups. What percentage of the band is vaccinated? And if you don't have a mandate, and what that looks like is going to go a long way in terms of what you look. And then you have the case that you have a new band director. What does that look like in terms of when he came in to recruit? Yep. How does that affect the full framework of a band? Now, I do have a question. When you engage and commit to something, you know, um, obviously the error on the side of caution is certainly making a lot of sense. But that's significant when you make those statements. So it'll be fascinating to see. With that being said, let's go to a break because I want to come back into the other side where we can get into another dialogue and debate on a great article that came out of HBCUsports.com by Ken Rashad that looked at the analysis of home games for historically white colleges and historically black colleges. Uh, and I'm intrigued about what the data says, some things that I've said for a long time. He put pen to paper and did the analysis, and at least over a 10-year period, he showcased some of the concerns that some people have out there in terms of financing the matchups between historically white colleges and historically black colleges, particularly in the sport of football. With that being said, let's take this break. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Hope you're enjoying the show. Stick with us. We'll be right back into the second quarter where we'll take a deep dive and really get into some what I think is going to be intriguing dialogue and conversation about that article by Ken Rashad. Stick with us. We'll be right back. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, 
and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Cool. This is Dr. Gaville with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. As we said before we went to the break, uh, article by HBCU Sports uh, written by Ken Rashad. Just debuting today, hot off the presses. The title of the article says, Data shows PWIs are fair, far better in attendance than HBCUs in home and home football series games. And then he specifically breaks down the fact that he went from 2009 and 20, excuse me, 2009 to 2019, uh, looking at the attendance. And he broke it down in terms of the average stadium capacity percentage, um, as I would say, for HWC. HWCUs, historically white colleges and universities. Um, and he found out that they have a 74.2% average stadium capacity percentage for their home games when a HBCU travels to them versus when a HBCU is the home team and a historically white college travels to them, which is a 47.3%, just below 50%. Uh, that's that's significant. That's more than a 25% increase or difference between the two. He went to state that said attendance data involving regional home and home football series games between NCAA Division I, FCS, uh, historically white colleges. He used PWIs, predominantly white institutions. And you know, on this show, we do use historically white colleges because we like to see the uh, framework between the two institutions. So that's purposeful. HBCU Sports compiled a list of 64 MEAC SWAC football games dating back to 2009 that involved non-conference home-and-home series against historically white colleges. The list shows that the home attendance of games played by historically white colleges on their campuses had a higher stadium capacity percentage than those played on HBCU games. There were, however, some exceptions in which HBCU teams did fare much better and it goes into the article to talk about some of those exceptions, such as North Carolina Central and Elon. Uh, they played in 2011-2012 um, in those particular games. He also looks at South Carolina State when they played Furman 2014 and 2015 as another example, and as well as Morgan State when they played Townsend, which is 2017-2018, comparing them where you had HBCUs that actually had a home higher home average. So there were some anomalous difference. Uh, but I'm going to start with you, Mike, in regards to, first, what are your thoughts on this article and what are some of the, the ideas or 
rationale of why you may think this is the case. So when I read this article and, and, and hats off, salutes off to Ken Rashad for some terrific data research, I had more questions than I did have answers. So when you look at the home and home games, the, the first question I ask is, is, is statistical significance. If you're looking at home and home games, okay, say, you know, you have a Towson versus Morgan State or whatever, you know, it's, it's one thing to look at stadium capacity to for one versus the other, but I, I would argue, is that comparing apples to apples? Uh, could you factor in percent of the student population that appears and make it more normalized uh, and into that mm-hmm. decision? So if I take a school with 25,000 students and I have 70% versus a school with 5,000 and I have only 40, how does that compare? We do that kind of statistical normalizing the data. And it may be still, you know, in, in this article, the PWIs more, but 25 to 30% more seems high to me. It seems a little bit high. And so if you look at the data, did you normalize the data and compare and, and break it down to where apples meet apples? If I have a, a 50,000 student campus, what the you know, 70% capacity may be good for them. But if I have a school with 10% or 10,000 students, you know, 40, 50% may be almost equivalent or mm. may by difference. So normalize the data. And I would like to know if that was normalized. The other thing is cultural differences. When you look at attendance, are you looking at attendance in this where you have folks in the seats or attendance where you have folks in the seats and folks outside tailgating during the entirety of the game? There are cultural differences between how some attend the game um, and you, you can look at it however how you may, but you go to any, any HBCU game and you're going to have a number of people that are out there watching the game outside of the gate that are really technically attending the game, but maybe they have a TV up, whatever. They're attending the game. So how does that factor into the equation in terms of total attendance to a game? So I, I just, I, I, I was, I had, I'm a data, I'm a data guy, statistical guy. So I have all of those questions about the article, but that's not to take away from the research done great information, but I still have those questions. And then what does it mean at the end of the day? What is it? Really well, well, Mike, that's why I brought you on here to break down and say why not to do a breakdown of the analysis of the thing. I don't want to know your opinion, not, the framework of the test. And let me push back a little bit. I love that because you are a data guy. He's talking about the normalization. Like, he, this is too nerdy for me. We're talking about professors in here. This is going to be exciting to all these listeners out here. And they're going to be like, man, these folks here, they high off to know what deans and professors and stuff like that. You're exactly right when you talk about the normalization. But the problem I would have in terms of saying the average number of fans um, uh, enrolling at an institution and normalizing it which is one way to look at it, but the fact still is, is that you you did a percentage breakdown. So you're comparing the percentage in terms of that, which is not just looking holistic at attendance, would take into some credence in regards to, it wouldn't matter what the number of students are enrolled in institutions. I want to know, what is your attractiveness to a game? And this is peer-to-peer matchup. You got 
FCS programs, let me finish and now. I'll, I'll let you retort and then give okay. Charles a chance to jump in here as well. But the point that I'm making is, is you still get into the point of the interest of the convergence of what's going on in terms of that anomalized data, in terms of what's taking place on campus. So, for example, if you're talking about the percentage gap, that's a significant percentage gap that you're talking about. And when you talk about culture, yeah, there's a culture in terms of who's at the game. But in this case, I don't care because I'm measuring how you measure attendance. That's what we collect. And on the opposite side of that, one of the big things that you talk about HBCUs, especially when they play each other, is the fact that you have teams like the SWAT that has led attendance. So there's something going on in terms of the culture of the fan base um, in terms of their interests of historically white colleges, which is the polar opposite in a lot of ways in terms of when an HBCU goes to a historically white campus. And sometimes I would say that's the entertainment factor or the glaze factor some people talk about, which is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, but let me let Charles jump in here okay. before I get too excited. And then I love to hear Mike's retort because I know he uh, is going to have some great information in terms of why he talked about the importance of normalizing the data. Now let the Professor Bishop jump in here and talk about his life and what he sees in the data. Uh, you know, the thing that jumps out at me is, is does, does do HBCUs have an appetite for even uh, uh, watching these these games? I mean, does, does our HBCU fan base have an appetite for uh, Hampton and Old Dominion? Uh, I think that's the uh, uh, gist of the article. But I think, Mike, you make some great points that some things that I hadn't, you know, factored into with, with regards to the normalization of the data. Uh, that, that's a, a fascinating point that you make in terms of the student populations and how that can kind of skew the data. You know, the thing you pointed out that I, I thought was fascinating, and it's something that I'm not a, very familiar with, is the fan base that sits outside of the stadium watching the game. Uh, that's a culture that I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, not to say that there aren't some that, that do it at Jackson State, but for the most part, you pack up. Uh, my, you know, my my childhood and my 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 at Jackson State was you pack up at you know before the game starts, you get in the stadium an hour hour and a half before, and you you watch you know you watch warm up. So I, I thought that's that's another in, in interesting point that you brought out, and I've seen it that way at a couple of other places. But that's a a very fascinating framework to kind of take a look at at this data. The other thing that I kind of take a look at with, with regards to playing these historically white colleges and universities is at what point in the season are you playing? Is the fan fervor a, a lot more at the beginning of the season as opposed to playing them in the middle of the season or toward the latter part of the season? So that always factors in uh, for me. Like if your team is three and four by the time you're playing Old Dominion, maybe the fervor isn't there. You know, but if you're starting off the season playing these teams, then maybe, you know, that 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 would, would skew the numbers as well. So, yeah, that's fascinating uh, look at it. I, I think there is some point in terms of when you play the games, but I would say for the most part, these are non-conference games. So the likelihood is you're going to play them at the beginning of the season. You may have one or two games where you play uh, back in October, hardly any in probably November. Um for that part of it because you, you get in the heart of your conference schedule. Now that's going to change a little bit with me at with only having six teams and 
some of these other conferences, historically white colleges have uh, conferences. So you'll start seeing non-conference into October. That's going to be a fascinating to see what this looks like as a trend over the next 10 years. But I wanted to ask Mike, as he follow up with his retort, I think more importantly from a business perspective, which I know you will really bring in here, what are the implications of this? If you are athletic director, um, even if you want to take a deeper dive, as Mike said, and get more into the data and analyze it, even from a first glance, what does this do for you in terms of negotiating contracts against HWCUs, in terms of the financial framework that you could use in terms of negotiating those contracts? Also, what does it do in regards to you understanding the marketability? How do you change your marketability? when you're focusing or considering these games? What does that tell you in terms of what you look at? Take either one of those or, or go in whatever direction you want to, Mike, uh, for your time report retort before we go to this next break. Yeah, so I think it was Byron Hunt and a couple of others asked, Mike, what do you mean by normalizing? Simply, you're putting the data on the same front so that data is compared equally. So, you know, your, your point is very valid. Uh Dr. Gaville. So let's take the, let's take one case. Let's take South Carolina versus Furman. You know, you know, do, do you would you have more attendance if South Carolina State was playing North Carolina A&T? What remember who leads the FCS in attendance? So and what do those games look like versus the home and home games against the PWIs? So um, when I say normalizing data, and, and just so that I'm clear. I'm looking at like for like. If you take one institution that is 50,000 students, you take another that's 10,000 students, their max, their 80% may be uh, different than the 80% for the institution with 50,000. So you have to normalize it. So you're looking at apples to apples. That's simply the point I was making. And in a lot of these cases, you may have a lot of these PWIs that have more kids or more uh, kids in attendance, not in attendance, but attending that university. So you have to look, to, you have to factor that in. Yeah, but, but the, however, the let me, let me, let me finish. You have to, you have to, you would have, well, I want to get this in there because you becoming rhetorical about explaining something that you said at the beginning. Uh, but the, the concern I would have when you look at that is also then you would have to talk about the stadium size. Traditionally, if you have a larger enrollment, you're gonna have a larger stadium. Right. Which is one of the reasons why you would look at average percentage in terms of capacity. Because now you're not just looking at the attendance for one versus the attendance other, which I agree with you, would be much more of a concern if you're saying, well, they have 7,000 fans um, and you're comparing it to North Carolina Central playing a school that had uh, 20,000 in enrollment uh, but Central only has a 10,000 fan, which is one of the reasons I would say that I like the fact that you do an average capacity because now you are doing some normalization, I would argue, because you're not just saying they have 10,000 fans and you have 13,000 fans when the fact that you have a 20,000 stadium, you have 10,000 stadiums, you can only sell tickets so much. So the right. fact is you're looking at the percentage of those individuals that turns in and comparing the two percentages, which in itself, you know, is a normalization. I do understand that if you were going to take a deeper dive in a journalistic study that you would want to look at various variables. 
which is where you're going. And I agree yeah. with that, that if you're going to really look at the marketability, which is where I was trying to go with, if you're going to talk about sales and marketing, then that's where you'd want some more variables to talk about that. First glance, though, what I like about this, it tells you that you need to go take that deeper dive, that you need to go look at some more variables to get a better understanding. Is there something here to it? Because the magnitude of the data suggests that you must take a deeper dive and look at this because there's something here. You cannot just throw out and say, hey, normalize some data because the gap is so big. In fact, I would say that's why you go do that. It, because right. you're saying, wow, this is crazy. There's a 25% gap between what it looks like when one team plays another team. And I would like to add this again. There is something about the fact that a lot of times the bands travel with these games, uh, particular historically white colleges in some cases may even uh, pay a nominal fee to get the band. So when what I've always been intrigued about and looked at, when you go oftentimes to a historically white college campus, you're not only going to get the traditional fans that follow that team. Now you're going to get, if you have any African-American components at the institution, those students that may not normally go to a game, they're more apt to come to the game because they have an interest in the culture that they celebrate and sneak over to go to a step show, uh, go to uh, different concerts, parties. You also have the fact that the those that are African-Americans in the community they come out because there's a socialization that they don't always get at these games. And now they came out. So you have a larger percentage of the community and fan base that tends to come to these games. And I think that showed out let, in this data in this let, case. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me finish my point. The other variables you have to look at is now once you normalize the data, maybe there's, there is still a gap. You have to ask yourself, do you use – have the interest in these games and how much of that involves the alumni base and the student attendance as well. I'd like to see a breakout of that. <laughs> Mike wants to do a full journal article. Dissertation. <laughs> he's going back like he's going to work. He went to school on y'all. Y'all got a homework assignment. He wants y'all to do about four and five different analysis. Uh, in fact, I seriously though, I might take up you up on that offer and do a journal article on this. But with that, we're way over. Let's take this next break. This is My bad. I'm sorry. I got excited on that one. <laughs> no, it was great discussion. I think a lot of people interested, as you said, they're talking about it. So this just tells you uh, credit to Ken Rashad when you talk about the interest of people trying to understand this phenomenon. So more than anything, I think there's a lot of credit to Ken for putting it out there so people could take a little deeper dive and say what's going on there. The other thing that uh, in that article, he puts a percentage in regards to looking at the in, uh, the attendance of the game where you can pull out some of those variables and do a deeper dive, go back and look at enrollment over a period of time, do a stepwise function. We could do all kinds of things more to get fancy. So I can match you, Mike. I know what you're talking about in some of the data. So I'm not saying that that, that you're not on it in return of my book. I'm just saying for a basic premise of the article is right there. Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. We'll be right back after this break. Hopefully we didn't lose all the fans out there talking about, ooh, man, these folks here, they just super nerds. Super <laughs> nerds. Yeah, that's what you got. These nerds make money, though. How about that? We'll be right yeah. back after this break. 
Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Texas Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Gurley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash tickets. Sugar, Sunday, August 29th, 4 o'clock, NRG Stadium in Houston, featuring the hottest HBCU marching bands, Southern University, Lexington University, Tennessee State, Norfolk State, North Carolina a State, Texas Southern, Bethune-Cookman, and Jackson State. Don't miss the battle on the field and the stands with scholarships. Over $500,000 in counting for our HBCUs. It's an HBCU experience you don't want to miss with a weekend of activities with the Cracker Barrel Step and Stroll, Pepsi Zero Sugar Emerging Experience, Esports Sunday, August 29th, NRG Stadium, Houston. Gates open up at 2.30. Also sponsored by Cricket and HEB. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love that. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. Go for it, Doc. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington Charles Bishop. Just bringing it to you. Uh, hope you enjoyed our dialogue, debate, as some people say, I great discourse in terms of what that looks like. Uh, in terms of that, I want to get into uh, the number of HBC football. So um, CIAA released the 2021 football TV broadcast schedule, where they talked about having five games broadcast on Aspire TV. Um, obviously, you talk about the record set number of HBCU games on TV this fall. This came out of HBCU game day, uh, where you have over 125 football games scheduled thus far uh, on multiple broadcasts. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, uh, Charles, if you would. Uh, what are your thoughts on the number of games that will be broadcast 
in terms of HBCU sports. For me, it's uh, good to see, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Oh, I'm so excited about it. I mean, uh, me and you, we, we joked about this uh, in terms of uh, the number of HBCU games and now we can put eyeballs on, uh, and it's, it's totally changed the game. Uh, you you really don't know what's going on with the Power Fives anymore because you are are you finally can see all of your HBCU games. So uh, I'm just excited about getting an opportunity to set up an iPad here, iPad there, TV there, and uh, have my phone open as well. <laughs> I, can catch, I can catch them all. Oh, I love it. I love it. Man, I printed out that Paul HBC football schedule and just I was amazed of the small print you had to use to get all the games in. And this at this point, this was before the CIAA released its five games. So it's on a magnitude that's different. And I have a bird in my ear in my ear that says that the SWAT may not be finished with the number of games that they plan to broadcast, that they even thinking about kicking that up to a different number in some form of uh, framework. So it'll be uh, fascinating to see uh, what's taking place with the number of games you can catch in terms of HBCU sports. Um, so, Mike, what are your thoughts on these football games? Oh, kudos. Kudos. I mean, seriously, this is exciting stuff. <laughs> you, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking, you know, you got, you got the notice or the, the links about, you know, the CIAA and, you got St. Augustine and Johnson C. Smith and who else? Virginia State and Virginia Union all on TV. Big matchup. Uh, you get to see Virginia State and Bowie State. I mean, you know, n- not to mention the SIAC games that have, you know, ESPN corresponding schedules. So, um, I, you know, I travel quite a bit. So I've kind of tried to tap. I have to set. I'm not as savvy as you, gentlemen. I have to set my alerts up on my iPads to to watch these on iPad or catch up with the notes. But man, it's a lot more to catch up. But that's a good problem to have. Yeah, like I get to go back and see this game or go back and see this game. You know, if you're on the plane traveling or whatever. So I think it's tremendous for the HBCU fan. Um, I don't know if it's a sign of the times. I don't know if it's social conscious. I don't know if it's just the growth of the HBCU culture. Whatever it is, I don't care. It's a good thing at the end of the day. So. I agree with you. I, I love that framework. I don't care what it is. I'm just glad that it's, it is. <laughs> Great point, Mike. No doubt. Let me get your thoughts on this. I'm going to stick with you, Mike. Um, SIAC debuted the new conference logo. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Bulls up, bears down. What, what you got? What you think? SIAC logo. Um. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you kind of spoiled me with the Virgin Islands thing, and that that had <laughs> so that was a spoiler. And then I see the SIAC. I was you know waiting to see the hundred year significance of the SIAC in the logo, and they had a you know they hired a promoting. It look it, it it's okay. <laughs> it looked kind of vanilla, but I was waiting some, to see some of the hundred year significance of it. But you know, the recognition in and of itself says a lot uh, about the SIAC as a conference. But the logo itself, I'm sorry, I would have voted. I, I would have voted to pay some 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 more dollars for a little bit something different. And I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. I, I mean, that's what we're here for. I did want to ask Charles. 
same similar type of question, but they also, when they did the rebrand uh, with the new logo, they also added the pillars, positioning, and a tagline for the league. I thought that was significant when you put that all together. And I can certainly see, I've had some SIAC fans that were not necessarily blown away from the logo itself, but I think when you look at the entire branding concept is big. The other thing from a business perspective that I want to hear you talk about after you give your analysis of the logo is the fact, um, the idea after a hundred years to rebrand in such a way that you may be able to trademark this as they did and be able to capture your costs associated with a new logo that you haven't had in the past. How important in your estimation is that as you break down the logo and what your thought, general thoughts are on it. You know, Dr. Gaville, as you've taught us in class, that's the name of the game uh, in terms of uh, uh, put, putting something out there that, uh, that, that, that carries the, the kind of the test of time. And, and what better time than the, at the 100 year mark to, to put something out there? Uh, and like you mentioned, put a tagline out there as well. I, those are all very important pillars of, 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 of seeing the SIAC in a new light. It's something that you uh, brought to us in class in terms of uh, the way we have to go about uh, pushing forward the conference. So uh, I take my hat off to them. Uh, Mike, like you mentioned, <laughs> a little, little vanilla uh, with regards to uh, the artwork, but I, I like the thought uh, presence or the business frame uh, of moving forward with the conference, uh, moving forward in, in a new light, if you will. So, Let me add to that. I think you bring up some fascinating points and how important it is to understand the whole framework of rebranding. So excellent points you're making in a lot of different ways. Quote, the SIC is a decorated conference with over 100 years of prosperity. For 108 years, they have created a community focused on cultural advancement inclusion, and equality while fostering an environment of fierce athletic competition. It was vital that this rebrand both celebrated all that the SIA has achieved in its 108 years history while simultaneously positioning the brand for the next 100 years of success. The rebrand symbolizes the SIC ultimately represents a conference that empowers its members to achieve personal growth in all aspects of their lives, end quote. Um, great point when you talk about Commissioner Moore uh, bringing that out, that was brought to you by the managing director of SME, Connor O'Flatter, that made that statement of how they came up with the logo. So I do like the idea of how Mike snuck that in there, just giving you an understanding of the brand of similar to what you've seen with the Big Ten, how nice it would have been, especially there's some natural ways you do that, similar with the SAC that you could have incorporated a 100 as part of it. I is a one, the A is a O involved, and the C and O would have been intriguing to see what that looks like. But more important, I think the tagline they have, Leaders Rise Here, is phenomenal. The fact that they rebranded with pillars, I think, is always important. You know, as I talk about the 10 pillars of active engagement, I love pillars, as you know. SIEC institutions, color specific logos, I think, is interesting as well were developed to allow fans to showcase their conference while simultaneously representing their institution. That's a unique position aspect as well, where you see some logos are independent and have their own color scheme, but the fact that they sought to rebrand it in such a way that you could easily use the brand in terms of the color institution. I like that idea. 
SIE students and fans will have a chance across all facets of the organization, including the website, social media channels, merchandise, and team communication beginning September 1st, 2021. Get your SIAC gear. Get it now. With that being said, let's get into the meat of this. Uh, get a chance to break it down. First time for our mass debut of the uh, week. Bulls up, bulls down in a lot of ways. Let's start with the SIAC that we just had at Central State, Kentucky State. That game is in Columbus, Ohio. It is on ESPNU. That's 2 p.m. When you talk about that matchup, it is not a game that counts in the conference standing, and they will play twice. Different things they're doing the SIAC, getting it done. Fascinating to see what this means. Let me go to you, Mike. What are your thoughts in terms of Central State, Kentucky State, and who are you pulling out as the victorious team in that matchup? Uh, um, you know, where has Kentucky State finished for, for the last four or five years? <laughs> I don't know of any nice way to say it. I know. They finished, the, they finished you ahead of Jackson it. State when they played them. I know that. <laughs> so... It's it's a good time for Central State. They, you know, uh, both teams have spent quite a bit of time recruiting and, and developing talent. But and I don't know all of the new pieces on the field. But I I gotta go with Central State on this one, um, just based on kind of just record basis. So you know the right with this rivalry. What does it go back to? What 1946, 1947? And uh, Central State, aren't they leading this like 38 to like two or something? No, I'm sorry, 36 to 23. So they lead the series. So I'm going to err on the side of statistics and just past precedents in history. I'm going to go with Central State with this one. They do have some new pieces on their offensive line. and new. I don't know all the names and pieces, but I expect them to come out running and gunning. They've taken some time out for – the COVID-19 break, both teams. So I, but I expect uh, Central State to come out running and gunning. Uh, they have a senior linebacker, Galen a- uh, Abrams. What is that? Two-time Don Hanson All-American selection. So he, he's, 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 he's the leader of the defense. He's, he's getting his team ready. So I'm going to go with Central State on this one. Look for an exciting game, but Central State comes out ahead in this opener. Charles, Central hey, State, Central State, what do you say? Give me the thoroughbreds. Good luck stopping the wishbone first game of the season. Uh, that, that, that's going to be that's going to be fun to see if everybody is reading their assignments. A first game of the season. That, that's that's one of those games you, you you know taking on Kentucky State. You need them about three four uh, games. Get a little bit of film on them. Get some tendencies. But good luck trying to stop them first game of the season. I'm gonna go with the thoroughbreds on it. No. Down. Sticking with you, Charles, big game of the week, Atlanta, primetime, 7 p.m. ESPN, Miak Swag Challenge. You heard all about it on Tuesday. Now let's get into the matchup. Alcorn State representing the Swag, North Carolina Central representing the Miak, the Big Six Miak, new look at the Swag. And in this, you have two teams that hadn't played since, since 2019. One team finished in terms of going all the way to the celebration bowl, but they finished on a low, just like you had North Carolina Central. Even though it was regular season, they didn't finish on a very high note either. 
So both folks are chomping at the bits to get back into action. But Charles, what do you say about this matchup and who do you have? Which match should I wear into this game? Which one do you say is going to be war? Well, I think the question for me is, can North Carolina Central score? Um, you know, they're, they're coming off the second worst scoring offense in the MIAC in, in 2019, only 17.5 points per game. Uh, they scored the least amount of touchdowns of any team uh, uh, in the MIAC. So those are the things that I kind of keep in mind with regards to this uh, game, taking on an all-corn team. And uh, you're taking on an all-corn team that can chunk the ball around a little bit, and you lost Brian Mills. You lost one of the top defensive backs, I think, in the MIAC from 2019. So uh, those are the things that I think kind of play in. Questions for Alcorn now. They are replacing some pieces both on the offensive line and defensive line, but I really do like Alcorn in this game when you're talking about Felix Harper. He's uh, He's been there, done that before, playing big games like this. Uh, LaTrolls Pringle, uh, one of his top targets. I think you'll see him show up big, but keep, out, uh, keep an eye out for Nico Duffy. I think that's what separates – uh, all corn uh, from an offensive standpoint. Um, they, they have a running back that can tote the rock. He ran for over 800 yards for all corn last time we saw him. So I expect to see quite a bit of Nico Duffy in this game. You get the key in on him. There goes the play action. There goes the Charles Pring over the top. So I'm going to take all corn. I like all corn's firepower. Mask up. The Braves. We see it here. The Braves. Charles says the Braves. Mask up. Make sure you take care of yourself. You'll see this debuting. This is courtesy of 2TTickets.com. That is two, as in the number, 2TTickets.com. With that being said, Mike, which mask do you say do I go with North Carolina Central Eagles? They haven't sent me a mask, and they don't have them available, so I'm going to represent them with the HBCU logo. Let everybody see that mask that they viewing a little bit there. Or are you going to go with the Braves of the swag? What do you say? I'm, I'm going to go with those folks looking to take some scalps, the Braves looking to take some scalps. So they are looking <laughs> – I mean, the, they're, you know, they're looking for that third swag championship in four seasons. They come in the first swag program to play in three consecutive celebration bowl. Uh, there's a little chip on their shoulder. Uh, you know, they – not a single player was voted in the first or second preseason all-swag team, uh, preseason team, but there's a technical reason for that because during the media day, SWAC uh, commissioner, Dr. Charles McClellan, explained the student-athletes who were selected to the spring 2021 all-swag team at the conclusion of the season retained their respective spots on the team. So open positions were filled with the next highest vote recipient and any instances where there was not possible, those positions were voted upon. So despite all the technicality, you can explain it all you want to. I think the Braves feel they may have something to prove. Mr. McNair's going to walk him into the stadium ready to play. Charles CB, to his point, Felix Harper, ready to play. Leading passer in the swag. Then you got what? Who was most receiving TDs in the swag? LaCharles Pringle. And, oh, by the way, you got a running back by the name of Nico Duffy. There will also be new faces since you have not seen uh, Alcorn play in the spring. You got, what, uh, Emmanuel Dabney from Liberty, uh, who's a DB, Malcolm uh, Maggie from Colorado State, EJ Thomas from Kansas State. They'll be joining to start that new defensive 
piece of the Alcorn State Braves, I take them by two touchdowns at least. Ooh. And and that's MW Ooh. calling it right he there. He put points on it. Go out there. He said now, he put points now on Now, Isaiah Todd's going to get his now, Mike. I, 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 I don't know if but I think Isaiah Todd's going to get his now. Yeah. Tickets.com. That's how you can get the swag mask. Karen Griffin says she wants one with the logo. Hit me on Messenger, and I'll make sure uh, we find a way to see uh, giving you information on how you can get a mask with the THC logo on it. We appreciate the support. No doubt about it. Hit me on Messenger uh, at your earliest convenience, and we'll work on that. With that being said, both of the guys, the professors today, they say the VX Swag Challenge is coming back to the SWAC. Be interesting to see how that all works out in terms of what that looks like. With that being said, thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. We hope you enjoyed the show today as we got into the article with Ken Rashad. Data shows PWIs fare better in the tennis and HBCUs and home and home football series games. Mike says you need to nominalize data. Everybody out there says, Mike, what do you mean by nominalize data? Professor Cavill, Dr. Cavill, the dean says, don't worry about all that. We'll get that later. <laughs> Look at the numbers. Do the marketing. As Charles said, make sure you understand, is there any re- real interest from HBCU fans versus historic white college universities? We'll see where that goes. More to come. Stick with Good morning, me. Good Look morning, America in the morning. No doubt about it. Uh, again, we want to thank you for listening, Dr. Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday from 6 o'clock. We'll start running a show on Sundays at 9. Stick with us to see when we bring that to you. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1, that is on Twitter. Make sure you uh, subscribe, like us, Facebook, Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, as well as YouTube. Uh, make sure you go to my BCSN, uh, my JBN to join and download the app. We have the podcast where you can listen to all of the shows. Saw BJ Jones debuting. He'll be back with us on Sunday. He has his own show bringing it hard and heavy. We got all of them right here. Uh, Brian and AD, O and G in terms of orange and green show. All kinds of madness. Call us Brown on Saturday. If you want to get your HBCU thoughts and you want to get your inside the HBCU, you better come to BCSN. Stick with us. Dream big. We continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Mike? Of course. Charles? Lecture. Dismissed.